This passage, it starts with a moment really of, of confusion and a lack of equilibrium, you know, where you can't, you can't quite catch your balance. You don't quite know what to think. Your emotions are running in every direction. And particularly for this woman named Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala. This is where we will focus our time this morning in the text is with her experience. Mary Magdalene had been with Jesus in his ministry for a long time. She was, she was liberated by him from oppression, demonic oppression. She, out of her own resources, funded his public ministry as Jesus moved around by foot and proclaimed that this, this different kind of kingdom was near, this kingdom of heaven, she, out of her own resources, paid for inns and food and all the other things that they needed along the way, new sandals when they broke, all these types of things. And Mary had been at the foot of the cross seeing Jesus's agony and torture on the cross where the other, almost all of the other disciples had fled and left. She was there, right there at the cross, weeping, praying, hoping against hope, wondering what the future was going to hold. She was there at the cross. She believed so much in what Jesus was doing and who he was, the way that he saw her. After they took Jesus off of the cross, it was the day, Saturday, the, the uh, Sabbath for the Jewish people, and it was a day where no work could be done. And it was a very quiet day. I was up this morning um, outside feeding my cats. You guys know how much I love cats if you are a regular tender at Christ City. And it was so quiet out there. It felt almost like there was a layer of insulation around the world. And it made me think of this moment with Mary where she was just left alone with her thoughts about everything that had happened, everything that she thought was going to happen and how those things were interrupted in the worst possible way. And now she comes to the tomb and is completely confused by what she sees and hears. And the other disciples are there and they're running back and forth and they're, they're thinking their things and trying to figure it out for themselves. And then we get to this moment halfway through this text where we see Mary's just weeping outside of the tomb. Have you ever in your life been in that moment where you've realized the thing that you were hoping for, hoping against hope, it wasn't gonna turn out. It wasn't gonna happen the way that you had hoped, the way that you thought it was gonna happen. 
And people are asking you, what's wrong? Why are you crying? What, what are you upset about? Even who are you looking for? Who did you think was gonna come bail you out of this situation? Who was gonna make it right? Who is going to tell you that you are the beloved even though you didn't do that thing? You didn't get that job. You didn't finish your degree. You didn't get married by 30. You don't have kids. The unimaginable in life had happened for Mary. She, she lost the one person, the one relationship that she thought had ended her terrible search, her terrible search to be seen. Because the way, the way Jesus looked at her She knew she didn't need all of the problems in her life resolved when he looked at her. He, she knew that she, could, that she could get through anything that life had to throw at her because somebody knew her and saw who she was and embraced her like she didn't even know was possible. And now he was gone. And she was here looking like a fool to believe in this, this guy and his ministry and this kingdom of heaven that was supposed to extend forever, cut short by the same thing it's always cut short by. People with a lust for power to be the most important person in the room, to stamp out any threat to their domination of the world. Why are you crying? I can imagine her feeling like she's being mocked. Why are you crying? I'm at a tomb, why do you think I'm crying? I lost somebody that I loved. Of course I'm crying. She knows the body of Jesus should be there, but it isn't. And so even though she probably feels like she's being mocked by these two dudes dressed in white, she, she still says, she still has the clarity in her grief to say they've taken my Lord away. I don't, I don't know where they've put him. And she thought, you know, maybe, maybe Jesus did, maybe he was wrong. Maybe he thought something else would happen. Maybe he didn't expect to die this way, but it, doesn't, it still doesn't matter to me. The way he lifted others up, the, the compassion of God that was in him that, that I'd never seen before, never heard before. It didn't matter the enduring warmth of his presence. It didn't matter that he was gone. It didn't matter if she looked like a fool. She needed to know where his body was. Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? 
It wasn't until Jesus said Mary's name that she recognized that he was there. They ask, the the angels ask, woman, why are you crying? And Jesus asks, who is it you are looking for? And in Luke's recording of, of these moments and these times, one of the angels asks, why do you search for the living among the dead? And this gardener, this gardener was doing something similar. This gardener who was Jesus was not mocking Mary at all with his question, but he was nudging her to see the bigger picture or maybe the smaller one. If Jesus had been a snake, he would have bit her. He said her name. And in that moment, in the hearing of that name that was hers and about like half of Judea and Jerusalem, like everybody's name was Mary. Like in the gospels, they're like, well, there's Mary Magdalene and there's Mary, mother of Jesus and there's Mary, mother of James and John. So, you know, it's like, if you, if you hear the name John Smith, right? In the United States, it's like, yeah, okay. So it's like 10 people, right? We, I don't know, we have like uh, 10 people named Jonathan in our church too. We're like, hey, Jay, hey, John, hey, Jonathan. Hey, J-man, right? But the way that Jesus said Mary, I can just imagine that her disorientation, her disequilibrium, that in the hearing of that voice speaking her name, in that moment that she realized she was still being seen by Jesus. Have you ever experienced something where even just for a moment it felt like somebody was seeing you? Not not looking at you, but seeing you. Where where they say, man, the way, the way that you play those drums, I can tell, mm, you love that. You love that. The the way, your, the way your mind works and thinks about problems, that's so special, that's so unique. The way you run headfirst into any problem without considering the consequences and somehow make it through the other side, that's really special. Maybe a teacher did something like that for you. Maybe a, a parent did or a relative that they, they saw you in that, in that moment. It's an echo in a way. It's a way that I can relate to Mary in this moment. I remember when I was the age of, of 21, I was, a, um, I was a youth pastor interim. Uh, what's, what does that even mean, right? And this pastor was hired and I'd kind of just been doing my own thing, trying to figure it all out. Remember that last example I gave somebody who runs through things without considering the consequences and that, that's me, I was, I was talking about myself. 
Uh, this guy, his name was Donnie. And he, there were a few times when he looked at me and smiled. And there was kind of a, a twinkle in his eye, but it wasn't like a car salesman kind of twinkle. It was more like a Santa Claus kind of twinkle. And when he looked at me, I was like, whoa, I'm here. I'm, I am seen. And, and, it, and it felt like in those moments that, that I could keep, keep doing this thing called life. I could keep figuring it out. It was different. It was special. Have you ever wondered, you ever thought about this, if you believe in the resurrection, that is, have you ever thought about why, or maybe this is why you don't, why Jesus didn't just like show himself to the whole world? If he resurrected from the dead, like why just show some crying lady and some bumbling disciples and, you know, these folks, why not just kind of like, you know, float, why not wait till first like telescopes were invented and then kind of like float up above maybe the North Pole or if the, you know, if the earth's flat, they don't have really have to worry about that problem, right? You know, <laughs> but you, 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 everybody can see Jesus and then they'd know. I have another question for you though about that. It'll get us back around to there. Have you ever been telling somebody a story about something that was really passionate, you were really passionate about, and it mattered so much to you, and you watched their eyes just start to glaze over? And some of you, some of you that are, you, you have emotional intelligence, you wrap the story up, right? The rest of us, we just keep going, you know? Like, yo, you're gonna hear this story. And they're far away somewhere else. Or have you ever tried to convince somebody of something that you were so passionate about with statistics? I've tried to do that many times. And the same thing happens. Eyes glaze over, people start backing up, looking for the exits, checking their watch. That they, it's like an iPhone thing and they don't even look at the time on it, but they look at it anyways, you know. Versus sharing a personal story about something actually truly shaping and traumatic that happened in your life versus a statistic trying to share that with somebody. Do you, do you, do you hear what I'm doing here, where I'm going with this? Do you smell what I'm stepping in right now? How about this one? I saw with the gun reform issue, I saw some teachers talking um, I think to legislators, uh, it, was, it was focused on the teacher and this teacher was saying, I love my children and I know how to use a gun and I have a gun at home, but I would never bring a gun to school, never. I love my students, but I would never shoot one of them. And those type of moments often matter more than pages of numbers and statistics. You see, for me, for me, I'm glad that God so loved the world. But what I really wanna know is does God love me? Does God love me 
does he see me? A pivotal moment that happened in my life now eight, nine years ago was a a morning that I stayed home from church, which I almost never do. And my wife and two children went to church and I was alone in the house. And I was, I was just all knotted up. I was completely out of equilibrium in so many ways. And I realized that I had for a long time that I was content with this abstract idea that God so loved the world. But deep underneath it all, I was wondering, does God love me? I'm not sure. And I asked that question over and over again out loud through a lot of tears, through a lot of tears. I didn't get an answer that day. I remained in silence. Nothing came back. I didn't get out my Bible and be led to a certain passage. I did not hear the voice of God. It was my quiet Sabbath day. Mary, Jesus says, and she responds. She doesn't respond with, oh, the risen Messiah. She doesn't respond with, Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega. She says, teacher. You wanna know why? Because that's who he was to her. It didn't matter. It didn't matter to her about all of the other theological implications of what was going on. She just knew that the guy who talked about hope on a level she'd never seen or heard, the one who walked through the world, helping everyone to see the kingdom of heaven in their midst, right beside them, right inside of them, the one who looked at her and could smile and call everything good out of her in a moment, that that teacher was standing in front of her again, and she rejoiced over it. Oh, she rejoiced over it. The thing that is difficult about these moments is it's hard to convince somebody else of them. But I think this is the only way that the ministry of Jesus and his resurrection could have gone. The whole point was that we could have a picture of God, an image of God, fully clothed in humanity, one human to the next, that for a couple, for several hundred years in the early church, there were people that wanted to write things and to make theologies that made God just God, made Jesus just God and not human. And there were those who were uh, 
knew those who knew those who knew the eyewitnesses, who read those gospel stories, who encountered a living Christ. They said, no, he was human. I know it's really hard to make sense of, but he was also completely and fully, more so than any other human that had ever lived, human. See, there's a, there was this revival that went on in Kentucky right at Asbury Seminary. And maybe at one point in my life, I would have wanted to run out there and go see that and be a part of that and maybe experience what was happening there and God's presence there. But I didn't feel any such urge to do that, not because I have three little children and my wife would kill me, but remember I'm the headlong guy running through the stuff, so I just like deal with the consequences when I get back kind of thing, right? I'd take Benjamin with me. But I, I didn't really care to go. And it was because along the way, I have felt seen by God. I have heard within me the voice of the risen Christ calling to me and calling things out of me. Let me tell you, I, I really like to read and I'm a critical thinker. And people ask me in the fields that I have expertise in to come and critique and bring clarity to a lot of the things that they're doing and writing and creating and producing. It blows my mind that I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. It blows my mind. And I think it's because I've experienced what Mary's experienced. And I believe that other people can too. And I know that the deepest longing and desire of every human being is not to have all your problems taken away not to make it to the top of whatever ladder you're on. Not any of those things, but to be called out and known by a living God. It's okay if somebody could say amen in here. It's all right. In the last couple of verses here, it says this. Uh, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go and said, go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. I find the order of this conversation now really interesting. It starts with the personal encounter Jesus and Mary are having, and then it moves out into the universal. Jesus sees Mary and, and lets Mary know who he is and that he's there. And then he gives her a message that the same God that raised me is also your God. That you are my brothers and my sisters. And he gives her that charge to go and share that message. The first evangelist to the risen Christ was a woman in a time under patriarchy where guess what? Her testimony would have been counted as invalid. God could not have been any less interested in some sort of big flashy show that 
everybody would believe, because you wouldn't. And you won't. Until you open yourself up to the possibility that God could speak to you and resurrect something in you that you thought could never be resurrected. You don't need to chase God. There's just some gardener somewhere. There's some tree in the forest and you think it's just a gardener. It's just a tree. And God's already been speaking. And what we're waiting for, whether or not you believe in God or not, what your heart and your soul is waiting for is to sing by being known by the one that created you. Universal truths, universal things about all of humanity always must find its way into the particular. And this is why the resurrection of one man matters so much. It's the last thing I'll say. Our faith as Christians is not predicated on a bunch of really complex ideas. It's not predicated on really cleverly devised stories that some experts of storytelling put together. It hinges on these moments and only these moments. The people that walked with Jesus, that smelt his bad breath after he ate a bunch of fish, that saw his dirty feet, that had their feet washed by him, that saw him rise again. And this is something that I have to contend with when I lose faith, when I doubt. Hallelujah, he is risen. <laughs>